Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Happy Thursday. Getting ready for a huge matchup tonight. Broncos versus Jets. Here we go. Alex Shippen here with Rich Hill to break down Patriots, Chiefs, and all things week four in the National Football League. A little different week this week, most likely, which we'll get into in a minute. Rich, how are you, man? Oh, man, I am fantastic. I am super excited for this Thursday night football game. Uh, it's between whoever is left on the Jets. It's like whoever is left on the Broncos. Alec, I will give you $10 right now if you could name the the leading yardage people for the Jets. Like, who, who do you think is their top three? three yards guys on this team and also can you name three players on this Jets team I can name three players on the Jets team only because two of them are former Patriots uh, <laughs> they're their number one wide receiver Chris Hogan who was a very serviceable number wide receiver number three in any other system and their Patriots practice squad cast off Braxton Berrios who I think is probably the number two receiver and then Sam Darnold I know because every time an interception got thrown I assume it's him uh, this <laughs> team just stinks and I feel bad for Hogan because he deserves better at the twilight of his career. And the Broncos probably could have been good. They're just ravaged by injuries. I don't even know who's starting a quarterback anymore. Von Miller's out. This has not been a good first four weeks of Thursday night football games, save for the uh, opener with the Chiefs-Texans. Oh, yeah. Well, the, so the Broncos are making another change at quarterback. Their Drew Locke quarterback was hurt. Jeff Driscoll came in. They're benching him for Brett Ripien, uh, who was you know a, a late talent a couple years ago. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to have uh, someone making his first career start uh, who, you know, Broncos have some talent. They have Melvin Gordon, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy. So they, they have some players there, uh, but we'll see how they're able to perform. Uh, the Jets, however, their leading yardage guy, Frank Gore, who is 86 years old, uh, he has 149 yards this year. That is it. Three games. He's averaging less than 50 yards per game. This Jets team is just awful. So. Uh, happy first of the month. This is going to be one of the worst games of the year, but I think it might be incredible. I think that this could be a really fun game to watch because of how there should be zero expectations, and I think football gets wonky when that happens. And so I'm excited. That's yeah, true. Watch it be like a 42 to 40 game and just this like a, a classic. Otherwise, though, there's not a whole lot of good games happening in the NFL this season. This this week, excuse me. Pats Chiefs, obviously. Bills Raiders will be a pretty good game. Uh, the Raiders coming off a pretty bad loss to the Patriots the week before, and the Bills and the comeback 
against the Rams. This is, I think, be a good test. If they can do well against the Rams and the Raiders, uh, the Bills are definitely for real. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I think that the Bills have a challenge of going to the West Coast right now, and this Raiders team is going to want to reassert themselves after getting demolished by the Patriots, and the Bills are coming off a pretty emotional win, so we'll, we'll see if they'll be able to sustain that. Uh, game that I think is worth talking about is the 3-0 Steelers on the road against the 3-0 Titans, but the Titans have had multiple people on their franchise uh come down with COVID. So they, they tested positive for COVID, a couple players, a couple staffers. And so they're shutting down that team right now. They're, they're not allowed to practice. They're not allowed to, you know, do anything in facility. And they're prepared to just come in cold on Sunday and say, all right, let's play, uh, even if they don't practice this whole week. So that is their, their last case scenario. But I think that this is a pretty crazy thing for the league to go through right now. The Vikings on the road, they're 0-3 against the 0-3 Texans. Uh, so they're also uh, on watch right now. But this is kind of the first outbreak of COVID among the teams. And so we'll have to see uh, who else has been affected by this or if this is just a one-off sort of occasion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do if the Titans can't go for whatever reason. I, I would imagine it's the NFL, and they're going to want to push forward at all costs, even if it means there's a player on the Titans right now who has COVID, doesn't even know it yet because there's like a 10-day incubation period. Someone on the Steelers then gets it, and then we're off to the races from there, unfortunately. But we were talking before the podcast started about, like, there, I, there's got to be some kind of contingency plan in place by the league if one team or both teams can't go for a week and a game just doesn't happen. But I can't for the life of me figure out how to best rectify that because this is not baseball or you can't play a doubleheader on Sunday to make up games. So if there's a scenario where let's say the Titans end up missing this week and next week and there are two games just not happening, how do you reconcile that? Because they kind of have a huge ripple effect, a huge domino effect on the rest of the league and could very well affect playoff seedings come December. So I don't know what you do here. Oh, totally. I, I think that if there are multiple teams that end up missing games and as you said, they teams could miss multiple weeks that would just make sense as well uh i don't know what the solution is especially because the titans and the steelers they are in position right now to be vying for playoff seating uh the steelers currently a game ahead of the ravens in the north the titans a game ahead of the, the the colts in the south so these are teams that are not just competing for you know a wild card spot they're competing for that overall number one seed so i will be very curious to see what the team does Alec, if you were being a mad scientist right now and trying to construct the best possible way for the league to kind of handle a team missing a week or, you know, missing a week or two, how would you set up the postseason or, you know, the final weeks of makeup games in the most fun way possible? Yeah, I, mean, I think the way that makes the most sense doesn't make a lot of sense, but it makes the most sense, I think, would be to postpone or maybe during wild card weekend, uh, if it if it works out that way. Again, this is a lot of X factors in terms of seeding and who goes where and what the playoff positioning is going to be. But wild card weekend maybe gets postponed by a week, and that week in between where most the one and two seed are on their bye and the wild card teams are playing, that's like you're 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 playing. The teams that are missing games are playing for potentially their playoff life. Or maybe they, they're playing spoiler to a team that needs to go in. Uh, and maybe if multiple teams have multiple weeks, you have to have like a two- or three-week uh, kind of mini-buy. I don't know how that will affect the number one seed. He's got to offer a month and have, can't even prepare for the team when they're playing yet. But I think the nightmare scenario is, you know, there's there's one team that finishes, say, 13-3, and three, and another team finishes 
ten and one because they didn't they didn't play a bunch of games. And if they win those games, they could potentially get the one seed. And that's that's definitely a feasible scenario. So there's got to be a way to make sure that teams play uh, in a way that that factors in and allows the results of the games to to determine playoff seeding. Maybe they'll get lucky and we'll get some bad teams, but. I think the only real way to do it is to kind of just postpone the postseason for as long as necessary to make sure every team plays 16 games. Oh, totally. I mean, I, the way that I would do it, I think that's like a good, healthy approach. I'm going to go a little crazier. I think they should steal from college football and do a bunch of bowl games. Uh, I, I think that you, if you know, generally speaking, what the teams that are going to be in the postseason are, I know that they have seven slots, but if there's like two teams that are possibly fighting for one spot – have a bubble game in like a neutral zone. Like if this is a makeup game, uh, you know what? Have have a bunch of teams say we don't know what the seating is going to be. If the, if this game could change three or four different seatings based off of how it's going to go, throw out home field advantage. That doesn't matter this year anyways. Throw it out and play a bunch of different bowl games. I think that would be so much fun. And you know what? You can just kind of uh, you know have the top seed, you know, the team that currently had the best. Uh, record, you know, before whatever games happen, have them choose their opponent. You know, uh, if, if they don't know who is going to be what seeding, just let them pick. And then the next best team with the existing record gets to pick their opponent. And that way, you know what, you, you can get more fun football. You're still going to be in the neutral areas of uh, keeping people safe. And, you know, it'll whittle the teams down that might handle the initial week of postseason and then you can go back to your normal structure afterwards it would be cool you get to pick your your opponent based on your seed that'd be a really fun way to do it and of course this is a best case scenario in that these titans and vikings teams which are currently suspending operations are the only teams to get it and it's not gonna be a scenario where a titans player doesn't know he has it and he gives it to a steelers guy and then off yep. the race we go and by this time next week there's no football at all which is very, very legitimate possibility depending on how the league handles this. And honestly, man, based on how the league handles everything, I'm not overly optimistic they're going to do the right thing here. But we will soon see. Uh, I'll tell you, though, man, if it does go all the way to the end of the season and there's the, the one seed gets to pick their opponent for their first game, it's probably going to be the Chiefs because yeah. Chiefs just look unstoppable right now. Uh, the Ravens game wasn't that close, 34-20. to 20. Uh, I think they had a 21-point second quarter, just an unbelievably potent offense, a top-10 defense. They can score at will. Tyree kills an 80-yard touchdown play waiting to happen. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's a good runner. I don't know how you stop this team. The Patriots have to do it, and it's going to be a very tall order for this team. Yeah, I mean, the, the Patriots seem to have constructed their roster last year with this Chiefs defense in mind. I mean, this is the Patriots who are trying to be capable to trot out four different elite quarterbacks. You have Stephon Gilmore, you have J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, and uh, uh, Jason McCourty. You, you have four guys that are able to match up against anyone. You could throw Jojuan Williams in there if you want. He's definitely not in that same caliber, but they, they've been utilizing him. You add in Adrian Phillips. Kyle Duggar's been playing well. You got Devin McCourty. This is a Patriots team that has built their defense to try and battle the high-flying passing attacks of both the, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. And so... Let's break down this game. Patriots defense against this ridiculous Chiefs offense. As you said, Mahomes, unbelievable. 
They have five guys on the offense that can score from anywhere on the field. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, their rookie running back, has 342 yards this year. He can run and he can catch. He's absolutely devastating in this offense. You have Tyree Kill, 256 yards, three touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, 227 yards, two touchdowns. Sammy Watkins, who's their number two receiver right now, 15 catches, 155 yards, uh, and a touchdown. McCole Hardman, who is their speedster, I believe he was all pro as a returnman last year. Uh, he, he's able to bring any catch to the house, 120 yards and a touchdown. You have five guys that can score from anywhere, as you mentioned. How do you match up with them if you are Steve Belichick in the Patriots defense? Um... <laughs> Maybe sleeping powder in their Gatorade, so they all pass out before the half. You got to warm their Gatorade out. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it's a nice warm Gatorade. Uh, I think what I'd probably do here, I definitely want to go with the big nickel, maybe even like a big dime package with a lot of DBs on the field. I'm taking Adrian Phillips, who is by defensive X Factor. I'm putting him on Patrick Mahomes and their running back. Whoever gets the ball off the RPO, that's going to be his responsibility. Just make sure Mahomes doesn't extend the play too long with his legs and pass the ball down the field. Uh, hopefully Adrian Phillips, who's had a, been a pretty impressive player so far for the Patriots. He's, he stepped in pretty admirably in that Pat Chung role. So hopefully he will be able to patrol the middle of the field right behind the line and make sure Mahomes didn't do too much damage with his legs, as well as patrol the middle of the field, the shallow cross for the tight ends. Uh, I'm putting probably J.C. Jackson with a lot of safety help on, uh, on Tyreek Hill. Maybe I put Jason McCourty on Sammy Watkins, and I want Stephon Gilmore on Travis Kelsey. I think Travis Kelsey's their most um, dominant option. I think he's the, the the go-to guy for Patrick Mahomes. I think he's got the best option of eliminating him, um, and that's probably how I'm going to going to match them up in terms of man on man. I don't want to see a lot of zone because I feel like Mahomes will tear a zone apart. So I need guys to dominate the line and just collapse the pocket. But that's in terms of the secondary matching up against those those weapons. It's probably how I'd assign it. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard matchup. It's really, really hard because you also don't want to get too light because Edwards Hilaire, he's averaging 80 yards on the ground each game. He's able to run the ball. You add in Patrick Mahomes, who has like almost 30 yards on the ground each game. He's an escape artist. How the Patriots have matched up with them in the past is putting Stephon Gilmore on Sammy Watkins, Jonathan Jones in safety help, generally Devin McCourty on Tyreek Hill. Uh, and then Patrick Chung had found a way to eliminate Travis Kelsey, but he's not an option this year. So what would I do? I would say Gilmore on Watkins and just have them go one-on-one -on -one because that is just the best case you can do. Jonathan Jones, Devin McCourty, bracketing Tyreek Hill. Those are three defensive backs that I've already listed right now. Uh, J.C. Jackson, I would put on McCole Hardman because he's the best deep ball defender on the Patriots. Uh, maybe he'll be able to force Patrick Mahomes' first interception of the season, but I would say J.C. Jackson goes there. Uh, and that leaves both Travis Kelsey and Edwards Hilaire uh, as required to be covered. And I would say that Adrian Phillips definitely has to be on the field, uh, and, and he would be expected to, to cover Travis Kelsey. But that leaves a linebacker possibly on Edwards Hilaire, which is just a huge mismatch. I mean, that's how the Chiefs have absolutely destroyed the Patriots in the past is by throwing the ball to the running backs. And so do the Patriots go with a dime and possibly put Kyle Duggar out there on Edwards Hilaire? Because that's possibly what I'm looking at right now. And you're looking at a linebacker grouping essentially of Duggar uh, and, and uh, Adrian Phillips with Bentley in the middle of the two of them uh, with that dime look. And honestly, that might be the best case scenario for the Patriots. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that at all, but I, I, just, I, I will say that Kyle Duggar has impressed in limited action so far. You know, the concern was, you know, can he make a jump from D2 to the NFL? And it looks like he can. But that's a pretty big task for, right. for a guy like Kyle Duggar. Um, maybe, maybe this is a Joe John Williams kind of game. Maybe he's going to be the guy that, because he's, he's been pretty impressive. Uh, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised by him. I think he had, had a good role in, in shutting out Waller last week against the Raiders. Um, but this might be a scenario kind of like when the Patriots played the Broncos with Peyton Manning some years back where they just decided to let the Broncos run the ball yeah. at will. They said, Peyton Manning, you're not going to pass. I'm going to present you too tempting a defensive front for you to call anything but a run. And they're gonna 300 yards on the ground, and they're not going to pass, and we're going to rely on our offense to keep them in it. Um, because well, I think one thing you don't want to do against this Chiefs team is score quickly because they're just going to score right back. Um if the Patriots are up by four with like 19 seconds left, that's way too much time for the Chiefs to get touchdown. <laughs> well, I'm not even kidding. That just is. It's true. Um, so maybe they're just going to go really, really small up front. They're going to make it too enticing not to run the ball. Limit Mahomes reps because it would be a stupid move to throw it, and just hopefully they can match scores with them. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's something that running backs coach Ivan Fears talked about this week is that they're just trying to grind out the, the clock and just hold the ball for possession as much as possible to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. So I didn't actually even think of that. I think that's a great idea of uh, copying what they've done against the, the, you know, the Peyton Manning 2013 Broncos in the past is just let them run the ball. Uh, this is Bill Belichick's Hall of Fame defensive plan. They used it when he was with the Giants against the Bills in the Super Bowl. They they removed the whole K-Gun offense and said, Thurman Thomas, you just run the ball. Uh, and that allowed him to keep a close possession game. And that might honestly be the Patriots' best chance here on the road against the Chiefs team that, as you said, can score from anywhere on the field. Uh so honestly, I think a dime package might be the Patriots' best look to say, all right, well, you grind the ball. Uh, you, you guys try and pick up four or five yards on the ground at a time. We'll let you do that so long as you're not scoring on an 80-yard pass to Hardman over the defense. Um, and like, I, I think that the Patriots could say we're, we're still going to give it the old chance up front. Uh, we're just going to be lighter. And so uh, I would say that you have Winovich up front, but you also have Guy and Butler and Cowart. I would say that would be my, my four-man front. Uh, try and get a little bit heavier up front to not give up too much on the ground. But I, I would say that you, you have to try and figure out to, a way to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands, and whether that's through control of the ball while the Patriots are on offense or enticing them to run the ball uh, when the Chiefs are on offense, you, you got to do what you have to do to get the ball away from Mahomes. Which could basically mean this is going to be a very, very fast game. Because I would imagine if the Chiefs are allowed to run it the way we seem to think it's a good strategy, I imagine the Patriots want to more or less not completely duplicate their strategy against the Raiders, but keeping the ball run heavy, keeps the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, generates a lot of uh, offensive time killing, wears the defense down and hopefully generates points once they get down into the red zone. Because, you know, we talked about in our last podcast how kind of 15 and in is kind of a very difficult area for the Patriots to score points. They're very at the goal line. They're good for kind of the, the chunk plays, but getting the ball in beyond the 10 is, is a little difficult for them. Do you think the Patriots have it in them to run the ball the way they did against the Raiders, against this Chiefs defensive front? Or will we maybe see kind of like a hybrid of the Raiders strategy and the Seahawks strategy where Newton aired it out a lot? He only threw the ball like, only had like 17 or 18 completions against the Raiders for 162 yards, not a whole lot through the air. What are you doing to attack this Chiefs defensive front, which of the two units is the weaker of them? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you look at what the Patriots had success with against both the Dolphins and the Raiders, and you try to copy that. Uh, as we talked about on our last podcast, the Patriots are set up to run the ball. Uh, Damian Harris is potentially able to return from his IR list. Uh, James White is hopefully going to be available as well. Um, but you have Michelle Burkhead and J.J. Taylor as a solid trio of running backs. Cam Newton's able to run the ball as well. This Chiefs defense is bad against the run, but that's in part because uh, they've had such big leads in their first and third games of the season. So opposing teams have, uh, you know, they, they, basically the, the Chiefs rank 28th in the league in yards allowed per rush. If you look at advanced stats like uh football uh, DVOA rankings they rank 30th in rushing defense so that's kind of eliminating blowouts and end of games as well so this Chiefs run defense isn't great and so this is the Patriots best chance and so uh, if, if I am the Patriots and if I'm on offense my X factor is going to Michael and Wainu, uh as the Patriots try to uh, capitalize on this rushing attack as the Patriots are not going to have David Andrews calling the shots in the middle they're likely going to have Joe Tooney at center Rookie Michael Onwenu, if he is able to win his battles, likely against Chris Jones, one of the best defensive tackles in the league, if he's able to do what he did last week against the Raiders and make giant rushing lanes for both Burkhead and Michelle, then the Patriots could have a real chance to, to kind of grind out this clock and win the time of possession. As long as they can get touchdowns and not field goals, which I think could be a huge problem. Uh, I want to have kind of Nick Folk as my offensive X factor because he's got to score points, but um, I think that's, I don't really want to put too much faith in the kicking game right now. Uh, I think this is a good game for Julian Edelman. I need him as my offensive X factor. I think him and Edelman, I think him and um, Cam Newton um, have really kind of not quite found the rhythm as much as they, that could be assumed in week two. Um, But as the rapport develops a little bit more and as Nikhil Harry starts to emerge a legitimate threat, which I think he's doing each and every week, I think defenses are going to have to stop zeroing in Edelman so much. And if Nikhil Harry can maybe bust out one or two big games, that could shift the defensive strategy. Strategy? What the hell's wrong with that? <laughs> <laughs> strategy! <laughs> That's how you would pronounce it for the Broncos-Jets game. That's right. That's a little strategy. <laughs> Um, but if Nikhil Harry can have a kind of a one or two big breakout plays that will kind of shift the defensive strategy of bracketing Edelman and it will allow him to get the ball into space, little chip plays, little quick screens to break up that running game. You can't just run, 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 run. Those short outs are going to be really, really clutch. Keep that run game honest, keep the defense honest, which is why Edelman, if he can break out the double coverage and Nikhil Harry takes pressure off him, because they're a pretty big game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I like that too. Edelman has been uh, slowly increasing in snaps a little bit. They're, they're, they're trying to protect him because he's been on the injury report with his knee injury, so they're trying to protect him a little bit. But he outsnapped Nikhil Harry last week. I would expect that he would be Cam Newton's favorite target this week against the Chiefs. Um, but this, this Chiefs defense, they are pretty solid with talent at each level. I'm not going to say that they're flush with talent by any means, but you know they have Tyron Matthew, who's a great safety at the back level. Uh, they have Chris Jones, who's great up front. And they have quality players everywhere else. Anthony Hitchens is a solid linebacker as well. So they have talent. It's not going to be easy. Uh, but I, I do think that the Patriots have the the men up front to win their hat-on-hat matchups in the run game uh, if Jakob Johnson is able to perform well. Uh, as you mentioned on the previous podcast, he has really been developing as a player, and this will be a big chance for him to, to kind of show up in a big way uh, against this Chiefs team. 
the good news, I guess, is they're not going to have to deal with the crowd at Arrowhead. So I guess there's some small victories there. Uh, I don't want to be all doom and gloom. I do think the Patriots have a chance to keep this game close. They could even pull out a win if things go right. Uh, again, the Chiefs took the Chargers to overtime a couple weeks ago. It's just, you know, we saw the first week one and week three. They just looked so dominant. Um, but again, Belichick always seems to have a recipe for these things, seems to have really good game plan and a good strategy. I just really question uh, whether they're the talent level is there due to the opt-outs and the, the limited practice time and whether just there's enough people to, to match up with a, a very potent Chiefs offense. But we will soon find out this could be a game that I, I don't know if it's going to decide a, a playoff by, but it could. You never know at this yep. early season in the season. This could can have a big ripple effect down the stretch a little bit, as long as hopefully the season even lasts that long, which it may not based on the Titans and Vikings this past week. But uh, I think this is a good matchup. I'm excited about it. If nothing else, we're looking at this Patriots team not as a they better win the Super Bowl this year. It's how do they match up against teams like the Chiefs that are coming into their own. You know, the Chiefs are in 2020 – what the Patriots were from 2001 to 2018 or so, where teams came in, <laughs> this is our test. We may not win the game, but we've got some young talent. We're developing guys. How do we match up against these elite teams in the AFC and the NFL? And if they can come away, maybe not winning, but showing they can hang with these guys, I'll be very happy with the result. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it all does come down to how will the Patriots look on defense because they can stifle Patrick Mahomes for an entire half. They've done it in the past, but then Mahomes will come out and score 30 points in the second half. And so, uh, I mean, that's why my defensive X factor is going to be, uh, you know, the, the entire Patriots secondary, starting with Stefan Gilmore. But it, it, it's going to come down to how are they going to react and respond? Because in the past, they've done a great job stopping Mahomes in the first, and then they just absolutely fall apart in the second half just due to all of the motion and all of the, you know, Andy Reid's a good coach. T tap, uh, tip your cap to him as well. They, they're able to figure out the Patriots defense and what's going to work that game. But if the secondary can play as well as they do typically in the first half against Patrick Mahomes, but do it for a full 60 minutes. Then this Patriots team has a chance to, to really steal one in Arrowhead. That's a good enough transitions I've heard for predictions. Are they going to steal one, Rich Hill? Time to figure out what we're going to think is happening here. Uh, last week, you were as close, I think, either of us have ever been to exactly predicting the final score. <laughs> You had the Patriots winning 34 to 20. They went 36 to 20. So good work. I had a 27 to 19. So I was not that far behind you, but not as close as you were. So you get first pick. 4:25 p.m. Patriots going to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Patriots are going to keep it close for the first three quarters of the game. I, I think that we're going to enter the fourth quarter, and it's going to be something like 20 to 20. You know, right around there, 23-20, to 17 It's going to be a close game entering the fourth. But then the fireworks will go off, and I think they'll go off on both sides. And I, I think that the, the Chiefs will ultimately find a way to solve this Patriots defense. They're at home. I think that this Patriots offense is going to have a hard time going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs uh, because they just don't have that same passing capability as Kansas City. And so I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this one 34-27, uh, but it'll be a close game for most of it. Playman, I would be very happy with a one-score loss here. If we can go into Arrowhead and come out losing by one score, huge, huge bonus for me. That's awesome. 34-27, uh, Chiefs for Rich. All right, as for me, I'm also taking the Chiefs in this game. I think Patriots special teams comes up big in this game, maybe gets like a punt block return for a touchdown, like a block mm. field goal. They give the Patriots maybe like a 10- to 14-point lead at some point in the game. But as you mentioned, I just don't think the Chiefs are a team you can just keep down for – 
for for four quarters. You can keep them down three and a half quarters, but if you give them enough time, they will score and they will score a lot. Uh, and there might be a scenario where the Patriots have the ball and a chance to kind of not ice the game, but put a decent amount of distance between the Chiefs and the Patriots, and they just don't quite get it done yet because they're not really there yet as a team. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that high scoring, honestly, but it's going to be pretty much close to that. I'm going to say Chiefs win this one 28-16. Ooh, okay. Well, uh, we'll certainly see. The Patriots are big underdogs, so anything that they do to stay close is going to be a, a surprise to some people. So we'll have more analysis, preparation, previewing on patspulpit.com. We'll have all of our content there for post game as well alec week four of the nfl season we're here uh do you have any final thoughts uh if the patriots enter into week five two and two they're pretty much on par with how they've been every single season ever so (laughs) i like like our chances absolutely well i'm hoping for a good game here hopefully everyone stays safe uh and injury free until next time alec you have a good one you too buddy later man